Hey, hey, welcome to Queer Street. It's that time of the week. So y'all, this is the seventh episode. Seven is my lucky number. So, you know, I'm pretty excited about that. And um, this book is going to be a good one. This is Haunted this week. And it's our first like ghost story, but I won't get too much into that, you know, until we get into the book. I've been on spring break this week and uh, I've been today, I've been binge watching The Crown and cross stitching because I'm apparently an 80 year old woman. So I'm going to try really hard not to slip into the worst British accent you've ever heard, but you know, I make no promises. So let's just get right into it. So Haunted, Book number seven in the Fear Street series, and it was published on July 1st, 1990. So we are officially a year in, guys. We are officially a year into Fear Street, and we're on seven books. That's not too bad. That's like one every other month. So way to go, Mr. Stein. This book comes in at 164 pages, so about the right length of that they always are. And um, this is, I really enjoy looking back over this book, and I kind of liked it a little more when I was taking notes on it. And so um, let's, I'm going to read you the back and then we're going to start talking about it. So it says, Melissa woke up screaming. The prowler was at her window. Or was he? The recent headlines about a Fear Street prowler had everyone on edge. Her father now kept a loaded pistol in his bedroom. That made it even more frightening and real. Then the haunting began. Her new car driving as if someone else had taken control. Her birthday presents ripped open by unseen hands. An invisible force trying to push her out the bedroom window. <gasps> Y'all. Out of the shadows of her bedroom came a menacing figure. But who was he? Did he really come from beyond the grave? And why did he come to kill her? If Melissa doesn't solve the mystery fast, these questions will haunt her to death. Y'all, I've said this before, and I do not know if Arl Stein wrote, wrote these himself, but you know, what a fun job that would be just to write these little blurbs for the backs of books. I've said it before, you know, I'll probably end up saying it again because I repeat myself a lot. But just fun. I just like that. So the little bitty tagline on the front says, there's a prowler in Melissa's room, but is he dead or alive? Not one of my favorites. I mean, it's kind of just obviously, okay, we can tell that. But y'all, this cover, I like this. And we're going to get back to this later, but it's got Melissa. Um, okay, once again, we've got some some very, you know, prominent blues. That's just a very color. This cover, by the way, is by Bill Schmidt. And lately we've been having a lot of um, from Gabriel, but Bill Schmidt might be my favorite. No shade, Gabriel. But anyway, we've got um, Melissa on the front, blonde Melissa, and she's clutching the blanket to herself like, <gasps> as she stares at the window and there's a full moon out the window. And they're standing at the window with his hand on his hip in a sassy pose is a transparent ghost with some good hair, I might add, and a jean jacket on. He looks kind of a little bit like the guy from um, the music video for Take On Me by AHA. I'm aging myself there, but you know, he does. But he has got his hand on his hip and he is staring her down like, bitch, please. Mm-hmm. He came to take names and possibly kill her. Anywho, so we'll get right into it. So, the main character is Melissa Dryden. She wakes up screaming, just like the back says, and she swears there's a noise at her window. Her dad comes in, but it's just a tree branch. But she is sure that, you know, it was the Fear Street Prowler, which is somebody that has been lurking on Fear Street, breaking into homes and stealing them. Nobody's been killed yet, but still, you know, nobody likes to be robbed or burglarized. That's no fun. But Melissa likes living on Fear Street, contrary to most people that live here, because she likes the, you know, the, the old rambling Victorian style houses. She likes the trees. She likes all that. But, you know, now she's all like, oh, some scary shit going on here. But she and her family are quite wealthy. Okay. And they don't live in the affluent North Hill section of Shadyside. No, 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 no. They live in Fear Street. Because once again, they like these older houses. But 
her dad comes in and he's all like, honey, it's okay. And then he takes her to the room and be like, look here, you're safe because I have this gun in my bedside table. Y'all, this was back in 1990, I guess. We did not have, I mean, not that we have really, um, you know, great uh, gun control laws now, but this isn't a political podcast. But apparently in 1990, you know, like we didn't have to worry about, you know, gun saves or whatever, especially if you live in Shady Side, which you think, I mean, shit. I mean, come on. Shady Side murder capital of, you know, well, the United States, Midwest United States. But nope, it's just laying there in his in his um, nightstand. But that doesn't make her feel any better. You know, school's about to start. She just got an argument with her boyfriend, buddy. What the fuck kind of name is that? It makes me think of um, if again, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but um, the the Airbud. <laughs> <laughs> movies were like buddy oh no no like the buddies oh gosh jackson loved it it wasn't air bud maybe it was air bud it was the buddies there was a bunch of little cute little dogs that could talk oh shit what was it called anywho that's what makes me think about but buddy really who names their kid buddy anyway so she's all worked up you know she doesn't want to be murdered who does and you know she's been you know argued with her boyfriend school starts bitch has a lot on her plate okay so she doesn't know she's gonna get to sleep next chapter we meet um, Della O'Connor, or rather, should I say, we meet her again because she was the main character in The Overnight. So here we have, boom, 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 boom. We've got our second, um, our second appearance by her. And she's not the main character, but she does factor in quite heavily. She's like Melissa's BFF, y'all. So anyway, so she's talking to her on the phone and she notices that, um, Melissa notices that her room feels cold, but the window's closed. <gasps> What could that be from? But they're talking about her birthday. Her birthday's coming up. It's on Friday and her parents want to surprise her early. They take her down and y'all, to date the book, she they buy her a brand new blue Pontiac Firebird. Mm-hmm. That's right. So remember, I told you they're, they're rich. They're wealthy, even though they don't live where all the rich people live. But that's going to come in... Um, to play later. So she's, you know, oh my gosh, you shouldn't have, because you know, she's modest. She's not a rich bitch. She's not like Reva who, you know, that's another story. But if you know, you know, but we'll get to her later. Where was I? I got all distracted and I'm discombobulated. Oh, so she has to go drive and show Della her new car. So she's driving and all of a sudden the car veers to the right. Almost, she thinks, like somebody's hand grabbed the steering wheel. And she's all like, what? And then she swears she hears her name being whispered. And the car swerves into oncoming traffic. But then we get to chapter three because that was a that was the cliffhanger for chapter two. We get to chapter three and it's already Friday. She didn't crash and die. Spoiler alert. But her car is in the shop and she's has her friends over. Her parents go out for the night so she can have a party. But they're supposed to all be gone by uh, midnight. So all her friends are over celebrating her birthday. They got cake. Buddy's late, but he comes and he gives her this pretty silver pendant that she wears. And then before everybody goes to leave, she goes to open the presents, but they've all been ripped open. Again, this is really kind of no spoiler because it says that on the back of the, of the book. But so now she's all freaked out about that. Was it their housekeeper, Marta? Surely not. Marta does not hate her. She just takes care of their house and cooks them food. You know, she's their little servant, but it wasn't Marta. You know, we know who it was. Come on. It's a ghost, but we'll get to that. So she goes back up to bed. She's worried about the gift. She's worried about the prowler. She can't stop thinking about it. Then she notices her bedroom feels cold again. And now she sees a man in the shadow. <gasps> she's sure y'all it is the fierce treat prowler. So she screams and in runs her dad. But of course, when they get there nobody is there, he's just literally disappeared into thin air. 
Okay. Her parents think that, you know, you're just spooked by these stories. Dad walks the window, looks out, there's nothing there. And they said, you know, just go back to sleep. It'll be okay. So they leave and she's, she can't sleep. So she goes out the window to get some fresh air and she's looking and she feels someone shove her from behind and she almost falls out the window, y'all. Uh-huh. But luckily she grabs the window. Uh, what do you call it? Window pane, window, window sill, window frame. And then she's keep getting shoved. But when she turns around, y'all guessed it. There is nobody there. There is nobody there. So she is freaked the fuck out. I'm telling you. So she, um, she goes to buddy the next day and she tells him, and he says, girl, you need to chill out. You know, and so nobody's believing her. You know, she swears she's being haunted. She swears there's something gone, but nobody believes her. So she goes to meet Della at the mall. Why she doesn't tell Della now, I don't know. But she's shopping and trying on clothes with all her rich friends. And they see this other poor girl named Mary Lou. Of course, her name is Mary Lou because poor girl. She's already poor and, you know, unpopular. Her, she's got to have a name like Mary Lou. I mean, ugh, what the fuck? But anyway, but... Melissa is all like, yes, I was, I uh, Melissa, I had some popcorn. I had a little kernel. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, she's like, don't make fun of her. She's fine. You know, but her friends continue to make fun of her. Like, oh my gosh, you're not cool. You're not making fun of the poor girl. You're not cool. So she's like, you know what? Y'all shouldn't be mean to her just cause she's poor. <laughs> oh, the nineties. But so then she's driving back home and she hears her name whispered again. And when she looks over, bam, there is a boy sitting in the seat next to her and she rear ends the guy in front of her. Luckily, the guy, there's no, there's no, um, there's no um, damage to her car because she's driving her mom's Volvo because it's the 90s, you know, and Volvo's the symbol for safety. You know, this ad paid for by Fear Street, you know, go buy a Volvo, I guess. And um, uh, the man says, don't worry about it. You know, there's no, there's no problem. So she gets home, tells her parents. And first of all, nobody realizes that bitch probably shouldn't be behind the wheel of a car. I mean, cars are swerving. They don't think she's on drugs. She's rear-ended. Maybe a, a brand new fucking car was not the best gift for her because clearly she needs just a little bit more practice. But, you know, nobody seems to notice that in this book. And she's continued to have car problems. Whatever. Her parents, though, say, you know what will take your mind off of this? You need to come to Vegas with us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> go to Vegas because that's what every parent says. You know, we're going to Vegas for a dad. Your dad's a lawyer. He's got a work thing. Come to us. Come to us. Come to Vegas with us. That'll get your mind off of this stalker and this ghost and your horrible driving skills. Oh, I need a drink. But she's like, no, I can't do that. I'll spend the night with Della. It'll be fine. <sighs> she's like, anyway, I got to go on a date. So she goes upstairs to change to, um, to go see Buddy. That name, but anyway, so then this boy appears again. It's the same boy that was in her car, right? But now she's not scared, she's pissed, and she's like, Who are you? And he's like, You should remember me, you killed me. <gasps> Cliffhanger for chapter six. So, chapter seven, she noticed he has a tattoo on his right hand. She's like, I don't know you. He's like, Yes, you do. She's like, No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. They basically just kind of argue for like two pages, and he doesn't really remember how he knows her or how. Uh, she killed him. He just remembers that it was her. Most of his memory is gone, he says. And she does not recognize this dude. She's like, I don't know you. But she goes to grab him and her hand goes right through him. So clearly 
he's a ghost because I mean, that's just some weird shit. Plus, you know, he's been appearing everywhere. So obviously we were thinking he was a ghost. So now she's all like, holy shit, he's a ghost. So then he, he says that he only knows his name is Paul. He doesn't know his last name. He doesn't know his address. He doesn't know a shit else about himself. But he gets angry and calls her a rich little spoiled girl. She's a liar. And she offers to help him to figure out, you know, who he is and and why, you know, because she's nice. You know, she's, she's not the rich spoiled bitch. She's nice. She doesn't make fun of the poor girls. She helps the ghosts. You know, she's she's sweet. She does the right thing. So he's still mad at her and he's like, okay, I'm not going to kill you then. I'll give you a chance to help me. Because, you know, what else the hell he's going to do? He's a ghost. It's like, he's going anywhere. He doesn't have anywhere to be. So he'll like, okay, I'll kill you later. So then he disappears, you know, deuces, he's out. And she leaves to go see Buddy for a day again. And on the way there, bitch runs a red light because she's preoccupied thinking about this ghost Paul. Again, I told you, she just needs to get like an Uber or, I mean, Buddy's poor. He's from the, you know, the wrong side of the track, so he ain't got a car. But she needs to, I don't know, ride the damn bus. I don't know, because she should not be on the streets of Shadyside. But she goes and she tells him, and he just is like, you know, psh, you just need to forget about this. He's driving her brand new, brand new Firebird, which is probably better because she's already a piss poor driver. And she's like, I'm scared. I'm scared. And he's like, bitch, calm down. She's like, take me home. I'll prove it. So they get home. Her parents are gone. And, you know, she don't want to do nothing fun. Instead, she's going to like, come meet this ghost in my room. You know, we're not going to drink or have sex, but I want you to come meet this ghost. So then they're arguing. He's like, I don't know what's going on. And then Buddy hugs her and kisses her. He's like, it's going to be okay. And then bam, Paul appears and lunges at Buddy. But of course, Buddy, because he's got a stupid name, maybe, or maybe not, I don't know, but he does have a stupid name. Um, he he can't see Paul, and he doesn't, now he really thinks the bitch has lost her mind, because she's like, he's right there, can't you feel the cold air? And so Buddy's like, um, no, but um, honey, it's okay, I, I gotta go, because he's got places to be, I guess. He's like, but we really need to tell your parents, but, you know, it'll be okay, you know, even though you're crazy. So as soon as he leaves, Paul appears and he once again, you know, kind of starts arguing with her that she's rich and spoiled. And he's all like, I don't know what you see in Buddy. He's a loser. If you were my girlfriend, I'm like, damn, I mean, pick a side. First, you're calling her rich and spoiled and you want to kill her. Now you're saying if she were your girlfriend and let's not forget you're a damn ghost, but whatever. So anyway, so now she's like, I got to figure out who you are. So she goes to the library and here you go, kids. She goes to get some microfilm and kids, if before we had the interwebs and the Google, you would go to the library and you would get the microfiche and I loved this and you would put it in the little machine and you would scroll. It was like a ginormous computer, but it was like real grainy. It was like, oh, that was so much fun. I, I remember doing this in high school for um, not to find out who killed a ghost that was stalking me because those kind of cool things didn't happen to me. It was probably for a report or something, but I love the microfiche and the microfilm and all that. And you would scroll it. But anyway, I'm, you know, digress again, tangent. Oh, oh, oh. But remember a couple episodes ago, I talked about how Shadyside needed a newspaper. It's called the Shadyside Courier, by the way. That's what she's looking at the microphone. But she goes back six months a year. She can't find any news about any guy named Paul dying. So she's like, I don't know what's going on. So she goes to leave the library and, and runs into Della. And she's like, Della, do you know anybody named Paul? I don't know why she hasn't just told Della already. I mean, apparently it's her BFF. And if it were my BFF, that would be the first person I tell about a ghost that's trying to kill me and or hook up with me. I mean, that's just what I would do. Drink break. And so... 
Della's like, well, I don't know. Maybe he lived, you know, maybe he went to South, which I guess is not, you know, the high school they go to clearly. Um, and she's like, well, I'll ask my cousin Tracy. And this is so, they're like, oh God. And Melissa's like, Tracy with the teeth. And Della's like, yeah, but she got him fixed. <laughs> I don't, it bears no, no um, bearing on the story. Bears no bearing, bears no uh, you know what I mean? And so, but apparently Tracy had some jacked up teeth, but they're fixed. So they go there and Tracy's like, oh, yes, there was a boy that died here last spring. Cliffhanger. Next chapter, we find out she gets the yearbook, but it was just poor, some poor sap named Vince Alexander. He had a diving accident. He knocked his head on the diving board, a la Greg Luganis, but he didn't um, fare so well. He died. So, um, yeah. And so Melissa's all bummed. I mean, she doesn't care about poor Vince, who's dead. Um, but she's all like, well, that's not him. Shit. Whatever. So she goes home. There's somebody at her house. It's Buddy. He's like, your mom let me in. Um, creepy, but okay, whatever. He's like, I'm sorry I didn't believe you. Let's go out tonight <laughs> to this dance club. And this is one that I'm pretty sure I've talked about before, but I know I will talk about later. It's called Red Hot. <laughs> uh, the other one that they always go to is called The Mill. But, and this is red hot. I think this is more like the, like, the oomch, 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 like, you know, like hardcore dance club for the kids. The mill, I guess, is a little bit more low key, maybe like a bar, but it's not a bar, you know? Anywho. So they go here, they're dancing. She's having a fun time and she's like, oh, I have not even thought about Paul at all. Well, bitch, why you got to bring him up? Because then she gets into a fight with Buddy, not about his stupid name, but about Paul. He's like, would you just drop it? You're ruining the evening. And so she gets mad because he's basically calling her a crazy bitch again. And so she leaves. She goes in the parking lot and there's some boys drinking beer and they're harassing her, you know, like, hey, pretty mama, you know, like that kind of construction worker thing. And she looks up and one of them is Paul. And she's like, um, can y'all see him? So she confronts, she goes to there. She's like, what are you doing? And he's like, who are you? And it turns out he's a real person. And she's like, don't you know who I am? And so he's all being macho badass. He's like, did you come looking for me, baby? And they're all like, hey, hey, hey. And so then she gets all creeped out because she's like, um, what's going on here? And they're coming on to her. They're kind of teasing her. And so she feels uncomfortable. So she runs back into red heat. <laughs> She runs back into the club to find Buddy and because I guess she's forgiven him because, you know, he's a jerk, but, you know, it's better than being killed in the parking lot. So um, so they go out to the car and Paul and his friends are gone. So she goes home and bam, Paul's there and he's like, um, he's, <laughs> he's, he's like, I'll be back. I'm going to kill you. They just have a very short dalliance at night. So then she's on the phone with Della and she's like, I think I'm going to tell Della. Why she just tell her on the phone right there? I don't know. Poor Della. She's, she's a good friend, but she's in the dark about this, but you know, she's got her own shit. She was just in that, that drama on the overnight, you know? So she, she's probably still recovering for that. Maybe that's why Melissa isn't telling her anything because she's all like, bitch has not recovered from that freaky ass, um, overnight trip. Drink break. So then she goes to see Della and, um, well, she's on her way to see Della, but then she's thinking, you know what? I recognize one of those boys that was with Paul at Red Heat <laughs> last night. His name is Frankie and he works at the stop and shop. He's a grocer. So she goes to see him and he's like, look, I don't want nothing to do with you. You a crazy bitch from last night. And she starts asking about Paul. Is he dead? And he's like, what? I just talked to him this morning. So he definitely thinks that she is a crazy, crazy bitch. Or she's drunk or she's on something. He doesn't say that. But you know, he's thinking it. And so 
he's like, look, I got to get back to work. And so she's leaving. She gets, she feels like she's being followed. And of course she is. And yeah, you know who it is. It's Paul. So he grabs her and she feels his breath. She's like, a ghost can't breathe. And I can touch him. And he's all, he's all like, what are you doing, baby? And he's, he's, he's kind of all hitting on her again. He grabs her purse. She can't leave. And then she's freaked out again. And there's a cop there. And of course he knows her because her dad's a famous, famous, I guess, wealthy, well-to-do lawyer. And she's all like, no, it's okay. It's okay. And so, but that distracts, you know, um, uh, real life Paul. And so she gets in, she goes home and there, bam, there's Paul on her bed. Now, never once does she think, am I losing my goddamn mind? I mean, she got, she does kind of, but she just, this is all normal to, her, normal to her. You know, she walks in there. It's no surprise to see a ghost sitting on her bed, I guess, because she's seen him so frequently now. But still, she goes to him and he's sitting on her bed and he's like, I'm, I'm running out of power. I'm fading and now I don't have control over it. And so she confronts him about the parking lot and about red heat. I just can't say that name without a straight face or with a straight face and about meeting with Frankie. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, how can you be in two places at one time? And she suddenly knows she has a... A, a premonition she understands she's like you are a ghost from the future so now y'all we're intersecting with like a back for the future and she's like you didn't come back for vengeance you came back to prevent your death and so he's like oh maybe you're right and so he gives her a hug and you know they're becoming friends and the air is warm and she lets go and She's like, we need to figure this out. We can do this teamwork. It's, you know, we'll, we'll be a crime solving duo. You know, the, you know, the girl and the ghost, you know, we'll have this, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll make it work. So they go to Paul's house and he lives on, you know, an old village, the rundown part of Shadyside, you know, cause he's poor and he finds his house and he goes in, you know, he literally says, wait right here. And he floats through the wall and he, it's hard for him. You know, it's traumatic because it feels like he's dying again. It's painful, you know, because this is his house and he's starting to get a few more memories back. He recognized some things and then he sees himself wearing the same clothes that he's wearing right now. You know, that jean jacket and the jeans that I told you about from the cover. And he's trying to get his attention, you know, tell himself, Paul, Paul, don't. So now here's where shit gets a little confusing because now we have to two Pauls. We've got the real life Paul and we've got the ghost Paul. So stick with me here and I'll try to, I'll try to, um, you know, differentiate between the two. So Paul, real Paul, <laughs> gets on the phone and calls Melissa and says, it's just a friend, but she's not there. Now, ghost Paul is, this is where he's trying to keep him from leaving because he's like, I don't know where he's going. Maybe this is when he dies. So then real Paul leaves with ghost Paul following him. Melissa's gone by now. He don't know where the hell she is, but he's following real Paul. He meets his friends. They, um, they have, he goes into a liquor store, they get a drink, they're sitting there chit-chatting and real Paul is like, let's go hang out, you know? And they're like, we don't have any money. And real Paul's like, you don't need money. And he reveals that he is actually, bum, 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 the Fear Street Prowler and Ghost Paul is all like, damn, I was an asshole. And so real Paul and his friends get in the car and they go and they rob a house. And then ghost Paul's like, I can't believe this. So then ghost Paul goes to Melissa's house to tell her what he's found out. And she's all like, yo, I'm sorry. It was some creepy shit there. So I came home. I bounced. 
And so he's all like, I, you know, I'm starting to remember things. I don't want to kill you anymore. I remember you defending Mary Lou, that poor rich girl with a shitty name. Why are there so many people with bad names in this one? Mary Lou and Buddy, oh, whatever. So he's like, but there's nothing we can do. She's like, yes, I will help you goes, Paul, I will help you. I will go find real Paul myself. And I will tell him to stay away from me because remember all this time, ghost Paul is like, you're going to kill me. She's like, I can't kill you. I'm starting to fall in love with you, ghost Paul. But she's like, I'll go to real Paul and I'll tell him, you know, to stay away from me. And that will keep me from killing real Paul. And then you ghost Paul, I won't have hurt you because you are real Paul, but you're not real Paul. You're ghost Paul, but you can't be ghost Paul if I don't kill real Paul. Now you see where and this is, I don't know if she needs like a Valium to lay down, but it would have been really confusing if it were me. But she seems totally fine with this. She understands it all. It's totally logical. So on the next night, um, Buddy calls. He's like, hey, I want to, you want to go out? She's like, no, I can't. I've got plans. I, you know, she doesn't tell him that she's going to go find real Paul because she um, and Ghost Paul have, are kind of on the trail of what's going to happen. So she goes, she finds real Paul. He's drunk. And she's like, you need to stay away from me. And he's like, how'd you know my name, baby? And he's coming on to her and he tries to pull her away. And she's doing her best, God love her, to, you know, like, you have to forget, just leave me alone. Thinking in her mind that if he leaves her alone and he gets frustrated enough, then he will stay away from her and she won't kill real Paul. And real Paul won't become ghost Paul. And so then she will have kept her promise to ghost Paul about not killing real Paul, which was actually ghost Paul, you still with me? I need to drink. Hold on. So now we've got all the Pauls, but he's just angry. And she's like, well, shit, that didn't really work. So then when she gets back home, Della calls. She's like, yo, I'm not back in town. You can't come spend the night at my house tonight I'm, or tomorrow night. I'm really sorry. And she's like, that's fine. I'll just lie to my parents. It's no big deal. I'll just stay home and then I'll come to your house when you get home. So her parents are going to Vegas, remember? And um, she's all jumpy. She's nervous because she's home. You know, she's, she feels bad because she, she wants to keep her, her promise to ghost Paul about telling real Paul to leave her alone. But she's just, maybe she's finally getting confused. Anywho. So she's, you know, she's looking for real ghost Paul, real Paul. See, even I'm getting confused now. Shit. So she's, she's home alone. Her parents leave. She's calling ghost Paul. Where are you? You know, he won't come. He's not there. So she's like, whatever. She watches a movie with Tom Cruise. And so there's another dated, um, it was probably, um, not Thunderdome shit. What's that Thunder movie where he was in with, um, Nicole Kidman, Thunder Rise. No, that was a book I read. Thunder, Thunder Racer. That's not a movie. You know, whether he's a race car driver where they met. Anywho. So anyway, I bet that's what she watched. It didn't say, but I think that's what she's watched. So then she's getting ready for bed and she hears a noise from her parents' room and she's like, somebody's breaking in. Oh my God, it is the Fear Street Prowler. So she goes there, she sneaks in and whew, it's just Paul. She thinks it's ghost Paul because by now she's so fucking confused, probably just like we are, but it's really real Paul. And he's broken in. He's like, see, I told you, I know where you live. He seems angry. Obviously, you know, he's there, he's drunk. And she's like, go home, go home, you know, just leave me alone. You know, cause remember she's still trying to save real Paul from turning into ghost Paul and shit. So he's all like, 
what, am I not good enough for you? Da, 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 da. And she's all like, now she's starting to get a little freaked out because now real Paul's getting to be a little bit of an ass. Remember, because real Paul's an asshole, ghost Paul's a sweetheart. So she's torn, you know? On one hand, she's like, I think I'm falling in love with ghost Paul. But on the other hand, I hate real Paul. But if I don't kill real Paul, I can't be with ghost Paul. But I want ghost Paul to not be a ghost which means I have to be nice to real Paul, but he's an asshole. It is a fucked up love triangle. I'm loving it, y'all. So anyway, so she's, she's you know, I'm going to call the police. He's like, no, I'm too fast. And she's like, go home. I won't tell anybody. And then she remembers the gun in her dad's, in her nightstand. So she grabs, he's like, you're not going to shoot me. And she can't, she can't shoot him because she's, you know, uh, she, <laughs> well, probably she's fucking confused. And, you know, she doesn't want to kill him because she wants to keep her promise to ghost Paul. So <laughs> they fight. He lunges, grabs, you know, tries to grab the gun and he's holding it at her and tries to grab it. He does grab it. And he's all like, now I'm going to kill you because by now God only knows what's going on. I mean, he's drunk. He's mad at her for being rich and being a bitch. And she's just trying to keep real Paul from being ghost Paul, even though she loves ghost Paul. So then Ghost Paul appears. So now we've got Real Paul, Ghost Paul, and Melissa. And she can see both. They can't see. Well, Real Paul can't see Ghost Paul. Ghost Paul can see everything. Melissa can see everything. And poor Real Paul is just an asshole with a gun. So that's where we're at, folks, you know? So then Real Paul, remember, has the gun pointed at Melissa. And he's going to kill her. But then Ghost Paul can't. So he lunges. And in a in some miraculous ghost real Paul crossover knocks the gun out of real Paul's hand. It flies in the air. Um, Melissa goes to grab it, but it goes off as she grabs it, shoots real Paul. He's dead. So now real Paul's dead. Ghost Paul's still there, but real Paul isn't ghost Paul yet. And he's like, I couldn't, I couldn't let him, I couldn't let him shoot you. I couldn't let him kill you because I like you. And she's like, oh, I like you too, Ghost Paul. I'm so sorry I killed the real Paul. But now that she's helped Ghost Paul come to terms with why he's a ghost, even though she did kill the real Paul, it wasn't really her fault. And so he's all like, I'll never forget you, Melissa. She's like, I'll never forget you, Ghost Paul. But I probably want to forget real Paul because he's a bit of an asshole. And so, you know, then... Ghost Paul just disappears. It's really sad. And she's sad. But then Buddy's there because he came to check on her. Because when he called Della's house, he couldn't get a hold. So he came here. Then he heard the gunshot. And then they call the police and it ends. Very sad. Now, I like this one a lot more now. I mean, I, I liked it the first go around. But I really like it more this this um the second time when I was going through the notes and Jackson was like, why are you why are you rewriting the book? I'm like, I'm not. I'm, I'm making notes for the podcast. He's like, you're writing a lot. I'm like, I talk a lot. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So anywho, I rated it a four because once we kind of got the plot at first, it was just kind of, you know, what the hell was going on? You know, and but then once we get to the, you know, that like ghostly love triangle, that was kind of nice. I liked it. And Goodreads gives it a 3.73, which is the highest so far that Goodreads have gotten it. So a lot of people were into this supernatural ghost love story. Clearly, the type of fear this is, is a ghost. I mean, because it's got a ghost. And y'all, we get a body count. We get one. Paul dies. So Paul is our body count because Melissa does kill Paul, even though it was self-defense and kind of brought on by ghost Paul. But anywho, 
We got one body. So that brings our total body count up to four. I also made note of poor little Vincent Alexander who died with it, when his head smashed into the diving board. Um, we won't, we'll, you know, pour some out for that, homie. But only one body count. That gives four bodies out of seven books. Mm, not so great, but hopefully they'll get gorier later. But y'all hear me out about this queer. I had a suspicion from the get-go. When you look at this cover, Paul's our queer guy because he, he's he got this sassy look. He is a sassy gay ghost. He's got his hand on his lip, his lips, his hand on his hip, looking at this real Melissa being like, bitch, I'm gonna haunt you, sonny. He is serving supernatural realness. Mm-hmm. So we've got our first gay ghost, y'all. That's exciting, a queer ghost. Mm-hmm. Because I never really bought that he was in love with Melissa. I think it was more like he was just wanted to be friends, you know, well, when he didn't want to kill her, he wanted to be friends. There was never really like a love thing there. And who knows what the hell real Paul's going to be. Maybe ghost Paul's gay and real Paul. No, I don't know. Real Paul's an asshole. Either way, Paul was the gay one. In real Paul was a mean, thuggy gay. Ghost Paul was a nice, sweet, loving gay. You know, so you get both. That's just how it is. So there you have it. We've got our first gay ghost, queer ghost. And next week, we are going to talk about Halloween party because I love a good Halloween, a good haunted house, a good costume party. So that'll be our next one. But here we are, four bodies, a gay ghost, and two Pauls. So yeah, and people with shitty names. But anywho... Hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next week. Until then, stay queer. Bye.